The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I know as well as you do that millions of people across the country have transitioned to working remotely and and for most that means working from home and for some it seems to be working out really really well for others it has blurred the lines between our personal and professional lives leaving many struggling to set some healthy boundaries and with more companies now saying this is the way they will continue to do business it is really more important than ever to find ways to avoid burnout. Joining us this afternoon is Dr. Greg Hammer. Dr. Hammer is a pediatric intensive care physician and anesthesiologist, a pediatric anesthesiologist, a professor at Stanford University Medical Center, an author and guest speaker. Dr. Hammer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. What is it that you don't do by the sounds of it? You're a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I try to try to stay busy um, doing things that I love, and so follow your passion. That would be a good That's, motto, especially now. It sure is. Okay, let's talk a little bit about burnout. I was reading uh, some uh, results of a new study re- recently suggesting that balancing work and home, that employees that are trying to do that are, are more than four times more likely to exhibit signs of burnout, um, that burnout has doubled from March to April in some employee studies. What exactly is burnout? What would you classify that as? Burnout is really emotional and physical exhaustion. And that exhaustion comes from stress. There are internal stressors and external stressors. Certainly the pandemic itself is a tremendous external stressor. I know myself, you know, I have a sort of vague aching feeling in my chest some of the time. And when I try to trace that back to its origin, it's really coming from all of the suffering going on around the world. And uh, yeah. then, then when I see a new statistic as we climb toward or maybe even over 100,000 deaths in the United States, that feeling sort of intensifies. So yeah. I think no matter how centered we are and uh, how much we focus on our own wellness, it's inevitable that people are going to have that stress related to the circumstances these days. So why would it be rising among people who are working from home? I think the answer to that uh, is largely that working from home is analogous and maybe overlaps with this constant sense of being plugged in and available all the time. You know, we have our cell phones, we're always connected, and again, that kind of blurs the distinction between working and uh, being with our families without having to deal with work since our, you know, phones are always sending us texts that might be work-related. Being at home, uh, working at home, especially for people who aren't used to it, I think causes people to uh, lose the distinction between being with their families, for example, um, or maybe just having some alone time and working. And so there are some remedies for that, I think. One is keep a schedule. You know, work from a certain time to a certain time as though you were at your office, for example, and then turn it off. Um, stay connected with people uh, during the off times and you know we're very fortunate to have the ability to connect with one another even though we may be physically isolated we don't have to be socially isolated so I would stress connectedness I would stress keeping a schedule I would say get up and move around get some exercise focus on your sleep as well as exercise and certainly your nutrition 
I think since we're home all the time, if we don't have healthy stuff around us, then we're likely when we're feeling a little bit frustrated or lonely or stressed to go for those comfort foods that may not be helpful. So sleep, exercise, nutrition, um, keep a schedule. And then I would say, according to the, the acronym GAIN, which is the basis for my, my own practice and the book, uh, remember gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. Let's be grateful for the fact that things are as good as they are, no matter how bad they seem. I would invite your listeners to go on the Internet, for example, and search for... YouTube and other information related to the influenza pandemic of 1918 and realize how much worse things were then. There were 50 million deaths. There was virtually no access to medical care. People couldn't get healthy food. Uh, they were truly isolated. And, uh, you know, just so many things were much worse. It was impossible to stay connected. Uh, obviously, there was no Internet, so people were not able to be with uh, even virtually their loved ones. So let's be grateful for all the positive things that we have in our life. Let's focus on what we have rather than we don't have what we don't have. And uh, the A what? is for acceptance. I think, you know, we didn't cause this pandemic. We're not going to cure it. So there are elements of it that we just need to accept. So open our hearts and, and let that pain and suffering in. That's okay. Don't push it away. Resistance makes the suffering magnified. And uh, the I is intention. We can use our intention or be purposeful about how we think. And, you know, we talked about briefly recalling and focusing on what we have rather than we don't have. And we can change the way we think. Even just thinking about three good things that happen during the day before we go to bed helps us sleep better and makes us happier people. That's been shown in a, in a big study that's ongoing at Duke. And the end is non-judgment. Don't judge the world. It is what it is. And don't judge ourselves, I think, when we, we start to feel a bit hard on ourselves and depressed. Imagine that we're talking to our best friend, and we would certainly not judge them harshly. Let's not judge ourselves harshly. I, I think uh, non-judgment is a is a really big part of this. I, I'm seeing a, a lot and hearing a lot um, about people being quite judgmental when it comes to people wearing a mask or, or not wearing a mask, and people who are wearing masks out in public uh, here in in Edmonton, Alberta, getting dirty looks. I read um, somewhere else that someone got someone spit at them, um, uh, and I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, we all have to get through this together, and we're all trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out in our own way and if wearing a mask is what's being recommended by the health authorities they are in, in Canada it is in Alberta it is and I'm comfortable doing so then I'm going to do it and I, I don't think that people should be judging other people for doing so I totally agree with you I think well I think the people who are not wearing a mask should not judge those who are wearing one mm -hmm. and those of us who are wearing a mask let's not judge the others I mean we don't yep. We see a lot of people doing things that we wouldn't condone, smoking cigarettes, drinking too much, being overweight. You know, our minds are just constantly making comparisons and judgments and comparing ourselves to others, comparing others to themselves. And everything has a good or a bad and a too big, too small. It's very exhausting. And okay. I think we can all become happier, more resilient people if we recognize this judgmental nature that we have inherently and and use our intention and purposefulness to start to work on that let go of judgments and i think we'll all feel better each time we do that if we notice 
Dr. Hammer, I mean, that's some really good advice. I love the the GAIN uh, acronym and, and what it stands for. I'm wondering what you think um, employers need to be doing to make sure that their employees remain healthy? Because I mean, a lot of this is, you know, on a personal level, what can I do? What can you do as, as you know, the f- person working from home? What responsibility is it of the employer? I think that everybody who's in a leadership position has the responsibility to demonstrate positive principles. And and that means being concerned about their employees. I I think it may be a bit like being a parent. You know, we have kids at home and that can be very stressful. They're not in school. They may be having trouble with online classes and so on. And, And parents and employers, I think, need to, one, be transparent, open and honest. Two, set a good example by their behavior. And, and so for employers and parents, try to be positive. You know, for parents, be present with your children. Enjoy the time that you have with them to the extent feasible. And, you know, I think for an employer, I think reassurance to their employees amidst the uncertainty of what's happening. And I'm sure that, that many employees are very worried about losing their job. I think that employers have the responsibility to be transparent with their employees about uh, the shape of things. Dr. Hammer, I mean, you work in a, in a very intense uh, career um, where I suspect that burnout um, is quite prevalent. Um, is that why you decided to take a closer look at this and, and work on, on some solutions? Or was there a personal experience there? Absolutely. I've been part of our wellness program at Stanford for several years since its inception, and we have dealt with uh, burnout among physicians as a growing concern and a very hot topic uh, in medical centers, hospitals, clinics around the United States and, and actually around the world. And more than half of physicians show signs of burnout. Uh, a physician commits suicide every day on average, mm-hmm. even more than one per day on average. So this is a very acute problem that we really have to address. And so the wellness program at Stanford has been a great venue for that. And I've had a personal wellness practice for a long time with focusing on my nutrition. Uh, I'm I'm a non-meat eater, but that doesn't mean that everybody has to be a non-meat eater, but it's been a focus of mine. And I've been an exercise enthusiast. I've been a long-time meditator. And as I started speaking at conferences about wellness, Uh, I would emphasize these gain principles, and it just seemed very resonant. And so, yes, it's a response to the growing and very acute problem of burnout among physicians and other healthcare providers, and, and that's what spurred me to write the book, as a matter of fact. So, Dr. Hammer, um, again, I, you know, all of the things that you, that you're doing and that you're suggesting to, to folks, um, I mean, it takes a bit of time, right? It, it does. I mean, um, you know, learning how to meditate, maybe setting aside some time for meditation, maybe eating better than just, you know, you know, skimming by the, the McDonald's and, and grabbing something. And I think a lot of people right now are, are finding that um, that time is either moving very, very fast or very, very slow. Um, and, and they'll say to the, themselves, they don't have time to 
do this. What do you say? What do you say to that? Because I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I'll, I'll get back on exercising and do it for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden I seem to be out of time, and I make an excuse up, right? Um, what do you say to to folks like me? You say I just don't have time to do it. Exactly. My trainees would say that. I would ask them uh, when we were having a wellness session. My my students, residents, fellows. What makes you feel really centered and present and happy and resilient? And they would say things like, you know, going to a yoga class or going for a run, but we don't have time to do that. And so a couple of very important things to focus on. One is, first of all, take baby steps. Mm. Wellness, like everything else in life, is a process. There's really no destination. Take baby steps and, and set relatively low expectations. I think we learn from taking small bites but doing it on a daily basis. So find three minutes. Um, and, in fact, you know, the, the book talks about the principles of gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment, and then the meditation. And I teach that game meditation as a three-minute exercise in the morning. And basically it's just we get in touch with our breathing and then we contemplate sequentially these four principles and then get back to our breathing and then slowly open our eyes. So I think the key is taking small bites but committing to a daily practice. And that means with regard to exercise, just go walk around the block. If you have if you if you don't have time, certainly you have ten minutes. So let's get up and go for a brisk walk and come back. It, it can be a very short, minimally time-consuming process, but take baby steps, do it every day, move in the right direction, and be mindful. So, you know, one less piece of candy or, or unhealthy bit of food, um, <laughs> one little thing to promote sleep, you know, get away from our screens for an hour before we go to bed, start cutting down on coffee. You know, caffeine has a very long half-life, so you have a, a 150 milligrams of caffeine in the morning, half of it's still there in the early afternoon and a quarter of it is there when you're ready for bed. So again, just mix it with a little bit of decaf. Just take small steps, <laughs> be mindful and move in a positive direction. And, and you'll find after three or six months, you've really made a lot of progress. But I think with meditation and all these other uh, elements that we're discussing, people are encouraged to take too big a bite or they encourage themselves mm. to do Yeah. Yeah, I think oftentimes, yeah. Yeah, I think oftentimes we set too high of a of a, a goal. I mean, it's great to have goals, but say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month when in real, you know, you might lose four or six and, and be be happy with that because at least it's going down, whatever it is. And, and to realize with some things like meditation, you think it's going to be easy that you'll be able to sit down and do half an hour of meditation, no problem. And you're lucky if you'll get through 30 seconds before your mind starts wandering, right? It's it's a lot of work to do it. But on the other side, I think it can be hugely beneficial. So with regard yeah meditation for example and that's why I, I and the book emphasizes this you know I focus on a three-minute practice in the morning yeah. so everybody can set their alarm for three minutes earlier the night before that sets <laughs> our intention our purposefulness for the following morning instead of getting up at 6:30, get up at 6:27. do your you know wake up thing you know use the restroom and then just sit for three minutes and do this practice. It's ridiculous to expect people who haven't meditated to suddenly try to sit down for 20 or 30 minutes, possibly in an uncomfortable position without moving or scratching an itch and, and empty mm -hmm. their mind of thoughts. That's just not going to work for most people. So 
again, baby steps start with a very short practice. And this practice is contemplative. So you're actually guiding your mind through these game steps rather mm -hmm. than trying to banish thoughts from your mind, which really does not work. Again, baby steps, don't judge yourself. And be mindful, try to have a daily practice, even if it's just, okay, today I'm gonna to be less judgmental. The first person I see when I'm driving my car who doesn't use their turn signal, I'm gonna catch <laughs> myself when I start to judge them and just let go of that judgment. And you'll notice it feels good. So baby steps, but repeat the practice daily. Dr. Hammer, I wanna thank you for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Take care. Take care. That that's Dr. Greg Hammer. You can find out more at uh, greghammermd.com. That is his website. The book is called Gain Without Pain, if you want to check that out uh, as well.